This is an Anami podcast. And I've just had some flat out evil bosses. To anyone listening who has worked under a bad boss, I just want to remind you that you deserve a workplace where you are celebrated and not tolerated. You are the prize and that no one bad boss can dictate your worth or make you feel like you are not worthy of being celebrated and rewarded for all the hard work that you do every day, period. Hello, hello. Welcome back to 9 to Fly podcast. I am your host, Sunia Elamina Flynance. And today we are getting into a topic that I know many of us can relate to. What to do when you have a horrible boss. Yeah. In today's episode, I want to share with you how to effectively navigate toxic work environments. Because trust me, I've been there. And I'm going to give you some tips on what to do and how to protect yourself, both your sanity and your paycheck during potentially toxic work environment situations. The reality is sometimes we'll have to work with bad managers and horrible bosses. So I want to give you some advice on how to best manage those situations so that you can really protect yourself and advocate for what you need. Now, I do want to give a disclaimer before we get into this episode that this episode will mention thoughts around depression and anxiety related to work-related mental health disorders. So I do want to caution any viewer who may be struggling with that, that that may be triggering during this episode. So before we get into this episode, I want to also say that I can really relate to this topic around having a horrible boss because I too have survived a horrible boss. I've had my fair share of bosses and some were great. I've had some amazing bosses, some amazing managers who really did well by me. I've also had some managers who were very passive aggressive. They weren't the worst, but they weren't the best. And I've just had some flat out evil bosses. I want you to know that I too, even despite the career successes that I've had, I too have worked under bosses that really made it difficult for me to do my best work. You know, at one of my jobs, I worked under a boss who made my time on the team really difficult. And in general, I just never really felt supported by her or that she really cared about my professional growth. In fact, I felt stunted by her. And it was really jarring because it was the first time in my career that I'd really experienced that. I'd really experienced someone who I felt like was going out of their way to make my work life really difficult. And to make matters worse, she was a black woman. So it was the first time in my career that I was reporting to someone who looked like me. And that really just, like the cognitive dissonance was like on an all-time level because I just couldn't believe that someone who looked like me would be going out of their way to make my work experience so difficult. So flashback, this was actually happening during 2020. And I remember logging on to work the Monday after George Floyd was murdered and tensions were so high. Everyone was fed up. There was just like a sense of just exhaustion in the air. And even though I was working remotely, I think so many of us, if you can remember back to that time, just desperately wanted, especially if you were black, brown, or just cared to be acknowledged and to feel seen by, you know, leadership and the people really making decisions over your company. Well, I remember we had a team meeting where she as our leader could have said or should have said anything, something, but instead she said nothing. And I had never felt so invisible or unseen by someone that I worked for. And let's just say like that moment is always going to be seared into my mind because I feel like that was kind of the beginning of the end. I really feel like things continue to escalate and continue to worsen until I eventually left the company altogether over a year later. So I will say that I personally have a ton of empathy for anyone listening who is currently dealing with a horrible boss or has to navigate a toxic work environment because I've been there. To anyone listening who 
has worked under a bad boss, I just want to remind you that you deserve a workplace where you are celebrated and not tolerated and where you are not really put down for who you are and the value that you bring to the team. And I, I really hope that this episode can help you just better navigate what you might be experiencing. So let's talk about how to handle a horrible boss. I'm going to give you three tips on how to maintain your sanity and protect your paycheck. First and foremost, I want you to start documenting everything, every interaction, every email, every conversation that you have with your horrible boss needs to be documented. And here's why. If you are in a situation where potentially your rights as an employee are being violated, it's going to be really important for you to have evidence of when these specific encounters happened, what was said, how were things said, how were things communicated to you in the event that you have to take legal action. So I really want you to start to get in the habit of saving emails, taking detailed notes on your interactions with them, dates, times, privately recording your own voice when you're in meetings with them, if possible, making copies of your employee handbook and HR policies, pretty much everything that you do to interact with them, you want to have documented in the event that you have to take action. And trust me, it happens way more often than you think. When I think about my own situation, I didn't document a lot of things because it was kind of insidious. Like I knew that something felt off, right? Because I'd had such good bosses in the past. So I knew that this boss in particular, she just wasn't a good boss, but I didn't document a lot of things. And that was a big mistake that I made because unfortunately, it really made it difficult for if I wanted to speak with someone in a more legal matter, I didn't really have any evidence to prove that my rights were violated or that anything had ever really happened to me. I just had a feeling and I knew that weird things were happening. So I want to say to you, don't make the mistake that I made. Make sure you document everything and every interaction that you have with your bad boss. Number two, really important. I want you to seek out allies that can really help you during this experience. For me, having an ally meant I had someone who was more senior, maybe on her level or slightly under her level on another team or at another company who could really just talk to me authentically that I could trust and just kind of help me see that what I was experiencing was not appropriate. I want you to think about who those people could be in your own network. Maybe you have an old boss who was a really great person that gave you support in the past, or maybe you have a mentor or a sponsor, maybe at your company, but on a different team who can kind of help you navigate what you're experiencing. I think it's really important not to suffer in silence. And the more that you can talk to other people that you trust, especially who have the seniority and maybe are people managers themselves, the better you'll feel. And I think the better advice that you will get on how to effectively navigate what is appropriate and what's not appropriate. Number three, and also super important to remember is that HR is not your friend. I say this because in my specific example where I was dealing with a toxic work environment and had a horrible boss, I thought that my HR rep was a person that I could speak to transparently and that it would be a safe space and that anything I said to her would be confidential. And I learned very quickly that that was not the truth. Now I believe that you should only go to HR when you have a very serious or egregious and documented issue or point of conflict. HR is not really your friend. You should not be going to HR when you have a hunch or, hey, I'm kind of feeling like my boss is being mean to me or, hey, I just kind of feel like something's off with my work environment until you have a very serious, egregious or documented issue to complain about. The reality is that HR works to protect the reputation of your company only. So you should expect that anything that you say to HR in confidence may and will get redirected back to your boss. And that was exactly what happened to me. 
I fell into the trap of believing that my HR contact, who was also a black woman, funny enough, was a trustworthy source. And in fact, she aided my boss, which later, pretty much everything that I share with my HR contact in confidence, in short, was repeated back to my boss and then used against me. Oh, and I just want to say that this goes for exit interviews too. When you do decide to leave a company and you're asked to do an exit interview, make sure you keep your responses really short and sweet because anything that you share in an exit interview is fair game to be related back to your boss. And in my experience... Information that was shared in the next interview was used against me as a form of retaliation. Even though I left the company, I had heard through the grapevine that that horrible boss was still making comments about me and creating a hostile work environment related to my professional brand, even though I had already left the company. So whatever they say about, oh, an exit interview is going to help us improve the company for the future is a lie. So just make sure that you are really keeping your responses short and sweet um, and not using it as a time to finger wag or unfortunately share any information that may be incriminating as it relates to your own professional brand. In navigating all of this, I would definitely recommend that you continue or start to invest in your mental health by speaking to a therapist or a mental health counselor who can help you navigate and cope with your stress. In my experience, dealing with a horrible boss and just the overall toxic work environment that I was under led me to fall into a work-related depression. I waited way too long to make an exit plan to get out of my toxic jog. Because I knew that I didn't feel comfortable. I knew I didn't feel supported. I knew there were things culturally that just didn't make me feel comfortable. But in my case, I thought I could wait it out. I thought that like, oh, if I just like give it more time, she'll come around. Or if I just give it more time, things are going to get better. Or, you know, there was even a part of me that just thought, well, maybe I'm doing something wrong, right? Because I'm such a junior person on the team. How could it be that all of these things are just happen negative to me, right? Like I was convinced that there wasn't really a problem there. And the reality is part of the reason why I stayed so long in that job, even though I knew that it was not a positive work environment for me was also because it took months for me to actually have some overt negative interactions with my boss, right? Remember what I said earlier around because I didn't document things, it almost kind of felt like it's just just like a feeling that I have in my gut. Like, is this real? Am I making this up, right? Things were kind of more unsaid, right? It was kind of more of like a feeling. It was kind of more like just the politics of that team. So here's the thing. The moment that your intuition starts to tell you something that is off, I really want you to listen to that voice. In my case, it didn't leave for almost a year after continuing to suffer in silence, feeling like something was off. And in the process, I fell into one of the worst periods of depression and burnout that I've ever felt. I started to just like develop an apathy towards like everything. Like I remember there were like weeks at a time where I couldn't even get out of bed. Like I just was like so exhausted and just overwhelmed by just everything I was feeling And just knowing that I didn't have anyone on my team that I could lean on for support. In my own case, the way that my horrible boss kind of manipulated me and other people on the team was that, you know, we started to be isolated from the rest of the team's work, right? We were given all these like shoddy projects on the side that no one really cared about. We weren't invited to most of the in-demand work. Uh, You know, the leader who had hired me, who I had a close working relationship with, she siloed that person away from me. So we didn't even have a close working relationship. And because there was so much work on the team, almost no one had time to come up for air. And I knew all those things. And I just kind of, I just kind of fell into a place where I just, I just felt so alone. I felt so alone on that team. My work suffered. 
And most days I didn't even have the motivation to get dressed and get out of bed for work. I remember I would just like turn over and try to log on. And I knew that that wasn't a reflection of who I was, who I was as an employee, who I was as a person. I knew that that was a reflection of how the depression had taken over me. And I knew that I needed help. So I just want to say, as you can kind of hear from my own experience of just a difficult time that I've experienced that it's going to be, it's so important to just plan your exit before you fall into those dark moments, right? For me, I had known for months before I fell into that depression that something was off, but I didn't plan my exit because I really didn't think that it was that big of a deal until it was too late. So when you're working under a horrible boss, you really need to plan your exit before things escalate, which can look like a couple of things. And here's some things that I'm gonna recommend for you. If you're currently working under a horrible boss and are looking for ways to plan your exit and get from under their claws. So one, get into the habit of networking with leaders outside of your team. The more that other people who have teams, have open roles in their team, know you, the value of your work, and know that you are open to exploring other opportunities, That may be an opportunity for you to even just pivot internally to a team where there's a better work-life balance. I also want you to start to look into internal opportunities, right? Your company may not be a bad fit for you, right? It may just be that boss who is creating a negative work environment for you. So start to look into if there are internal opportunities that you can pivot or transfer into that will allow you to get from underneath of the direct reporting line of that horrible boss altogether. Start to follow up with recruiters in your network. So don't just only focus on the internal opportunities. I think if you're working under a horrible boss, sometimes just cutting the cord altogether and leaving that company altogether can be a way of just starting fresh. And a a great way to do that is to start with recruiters in your network, following up with people who maybe you're connected with on LinkedIn or who you have their emails of and starting to get in front of them saying, hey, I'm open to opportunities If those opportunities come down the line, think of me. You should also think about just refreshing your LinkedIn profile and resume, right? Get ready so you can stay ready is really important when you're working under a horrible boss because essentially you want your resume and LinkedIn to always be ready if an opportunity does arise that you can easily just take advantage of it. And first and foremost, make sure you're putting yourself out there for interviews by taking calls with companies, taking interviews, right? Don't feel like, oh, I can't take this interview because I don't really dislike my job, right? Always be interviewing, especially if you're working under a horrible boss. And I think when you start to interview with other companies, you'll start to see that what you're feeling is extremely valid and that there's nothing wrong with you as to why you've been experiencing the things that you've been experiencing. A lot of times we just work under shitty bosses who do everything in their power to make the rest of the team miserable. And that was definitely my experience. So I just want to remind you again that you are the prize. And the more that you do the things that I'm kind of talking about in terms of planning your exit and just really leveraging your community, your network, and the allies in your network, the more that you're going to be reminded that you are the prize and that no one bad boss can dictate your worth or make you feel like you are not worthy of being celebrated and rewarded for all the hard work that you do every day, period. So for this next segment, I actually asked people on Twitter or X what they would recommend and what advice they would give to their younger self if they've ever worked under a horrible boss. So my exact tweet was, have you ever worked under a terrible boss? 
What tips or advice would you give to your younger self? Hashtag nine to fly. And I got an overwhelming amount of responses. So I'm just going to read off some of my favorite replies that I got under this thread. But you can also head to my Twitter at Flynance and see this thread in action and see what more people thought. So at Miss Abundant A said, start planning your exit strategy ASAP, okay? Can I get an amen for that? At Bucci Budgeter said, document everything, every email, every conversation, every task given and completed. Get everything in writing until you can get a new job. And you heard that from me already, so I just want to plus one that one, okay? At Debt Free Joel said, speak up. It's your career, so make sure you take charge of it. I love that advice. Here we go. What are some other ones? There's so many good replies under this thread. So I really want to make sure that you check this thread out. At She Honey Badger said, don't take it personally. It's hard, but realize your excellence is laying bare the other's insecurities. Woo! Their envy, their low self-esteem, and or their general mediocrity. This ain't about you, so don't personalize it. Can I get an amen to that? And, and I would say that was my experience, right? There was nothing that I was doing that was making me a bad employee. I just had someone who was trying to put her misery onto me, and I refused to accept it. Okay, I'm going to read a couple more. At Kari underscore creative said, I have, but I don't know what advice I would give to myself than other than change jobs. I voiced concerns, but nothing was done. Eventually, the director apologized for ignoring the issues, but it was too late. I already left. Ad Habitual Caker said, there's no valor in trying to win them over. It's literally what they want you to do. It's a sick form of manipulation. You still have value. Get what you can from the job and don't be afraid to leave. So you heard it from me. You heard it from folks on Twitter who gave some amazing advice. If you are dealing with a horrible boss at work, know that you have the power, right? You can always leave that job, leave that team, get what you need out of that job. But above all, plan your exit strategy. And I hope that you could hear from my own story that there really is danger in waiting too long in a job where you already know something is wrong, right? Listen to that voice, listen to that intuition, and don't feel like you have to wait it out in order to make a decision on what's going to be best for you in your career. I don't want any of you to fall into a toxic or depressive work-related experience because of a horrible boss like I did. So I hope that this episode can just help you Feel a little bit more confident in what decisions you can make and what actions you can take to get out of the claws of a horrible boss. Before we wrap up the episode, of course, you know what we got to do. It's time for the Hottie Hotline. This is my favorite segment of the show because it gives me a chance to answer live questions from you, my listeners and viewers. So if you have a question for me that I haven't answered on a previous episode of 9 to Fly, be sure to check out my show notes and get my hotline number so that you can text or send me a message and I'll answer it on an upcoming episode of 9 to Fly. We, we got some really good questions. So let's just dive into what the questions are. This first question is, hey, Snea, in regard to relocation packages, what is something you feel should be included in a relocation package besides the money? I love this question. So when I think about relocation packages, I think about all of the things that you may need to be able to enthusiastically move from where you are to where that job needs you to be. And besides money, here are some things that I think you should consider. You should consider childcare support 
educational reinvestment, right? So what I mean by childcare support is like, besides the money, right, you may need support in terms of if you have a young child or if you just have children in general that are going to need childcare, right? If you are working a nine to five, but you have a little one who you're used to putting into an aftercare program, ask your employer what they can do to help you get connected with after school program or childcare support so that you can enthusiastically move to a new place where you may not have that support baked in. Another thing you could consider is education assistance, right? So if you're relocating, maybe you're getting a degree at this, you know, local university in your town. If you got to move to a new state or a new city and you are still working on your degree, ask your employer to foot the bill. What can they do to help you transfer your credits to a university or a program that's closer to the site where you're going to be doing the work? Another thing you consider besides the money is also just reimbursements for your home office, for fuelage, for gas, right? Money goes really quickly when you have to think about moving expenses, when you have to think about fuel, when you have to think about all the things that have to be done for you and your family. So I would say think about the things that you need as you think about the everyday experience of what it means for your family to be living in your home, in your community, in your network. And if you had to remove yourself and up and move to a completely different state or city where you didn't know anyone, what would you need to rebuild that network to feel confident in being able to take that job and work it enthusiastically. So I just gave you some ideas, but it's always best for you to think about the things that you need, that your family needs, because relocation is a big deal. Now, if you're single and don't have children, sometimes you just need the money, right? The money, and maybe it's not just the money, but also asking for mover support, right? Like actually getting the company to foot the bill for your movers so that your relocation package isn't just sucked up by the expense of moving. You can actually use that money for other things that are gonna help you relocate more effectively. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much for that question. All right, next question. What are your thoughts on, quote, reverse recruiters? So if you're not familiar, a reverse recruiter is essentially someone who is paid to work not on behalf of the company, but work on behalf of the job seeker. So when you think about a recruiter for a company, right, they're working on behalf of the company to bring as many candidates to interview for open jobs. A reverse recruiter is someone who is actually going out to companies on behalf of a candidate and trying to get them into as many job processes as possible. I will say I don't personally have an experience with reverse recruiters. I really feel like it's been something that I've seen pop up more so since 2020. And a lot of times folks who have recruiting advice are starting reverse recruiting firms because as we all know, job searching it can feel like a job within itself. It can be extremely taxing. It can be a really long process and just really difficult to navigate. So I don't really have any positive or negative thoughts on reverse recruiting, but I do feel like for most job seekers, you don't need a reverse recruiter. You just need a better strategy on how to effectively job search. And I don't think that you need to pay someone hundreds of dollars per month because yes, reverse recruiting is not cheap to do the work for you, especially in today's age where you can use AI tools to update your resume, to auto apply for jobs, to help you with interview questions, right? So I, I think that reverse recruiting is a very premium service. I think if you can afford it and you feel like the track record of that firm is really strong, then sure. But I would definitely say most job seekers can afford the premium cost of reverse recruiting. And I don't even know if it's always needed for every type of job seeker. But always, I would say do your research, try to get testimonials from people who aren't just plastered on the site. Talk to, pe talk to people who have actually gone through that reverse recruiting firm before you invest your hard-earned money. Okay, um, one more question for you. Can you tell us more about quantitative research? 
It seems to be a great intersection between finance, technology, and machine learning. How can we break into that role? Now, I am not an expert in quantitative research, so I am so sorry that I cannot help you with that question. But I would say in general, when you have really specific niches that you want to explore, here's what I would recommend in terms of learning about that role and how to break into that role. First is YouTube University, okay? You might be watching the 9 to Fly podcast right now on YouTube. Finish this episode and click away and type in quantitative research, how to break into the role, right? And start to see what other creators and experts who talk about these topics and are experts in those fields, what do they have to say? That can apply not just for quantitative research, but for any field that you want to explore, cybersecurity, product management, data analysis, and so on. I would also say LinkedIn is a goldmine. LinkedIn is filled with so many free resources. There are so many creators sharing free information. There's a whole platform on LinkedIn called LinkedIn Learning where you can get quality, almost like certificate level courses for free to learn more about these topics. So that would also be my recommendation always is to check out LinkedIn Learning because a lot of times the skills that you want to learn more about or that you feel like you have to pay a lot of money to learn about or get a certificate about, to get a certificate to be able to learn, you can actually learn for free on LinkedIn Learning. And then I would always say, in terms of the best way to learn about a job title and a role and a niche field is to talk to people that are already doing that work. So talk to people who have the job titles that you're looking for. Who are the quantitative researchers in your network? If you don't have any, start to make connections with those people and they're gonna be your best record of truth to help you understand that role and what you need to be able to break into it. But I gotta say, I don't know nothing about quantitative research, so I can't help you with actually exploring this role into more detail. And the best that I could do is just Google and follow the tips that I already shared with you. So that would be my advice to you and good luck with that. Thank you so much for those questions. If you have a question that I didn't get a chance to answer on this episode, check out my show notes and submit a question for me for an upcoming episode. All right, so I know this this episode was a little bit more heavy because we're talking about how to deal with negative bosses and horrible bosses, but I wanted to give you some real tangible tips and advice that you can use so that you don't have to feel like you have to suffer alone or in silence. If you loved this episode and you found this episode to be helpful, what I want you to do is leave me a review. I am looking for reviews from you, my listeners and my watchers, my followers and subscribers in the 9 to Fly podcast. So leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify letting me know what do you think about the podcast um, because that'll really help me improve for the future. So until next time, this has been Sneha Flynance with 9 to Fly. I will catch you next week for even more tips on how to maximize your career and get what you want out of the 9 to 5 and career that you want. So until next time, talk to you later.